Thank you for listening. This is Jonathan from Promised Land Coffee in Melbourne, bringing together guests from all over the Melbourne coffee industry to help you to create the Melbourne coffee culture that you love to bring to your city. This is going to be amazing. Stay tuned. Today is just going to be a brief chat as I launch into what is going to be an increasing amount of information and insight into Melbourne coffee culture. One of our guests is going to be the World Loves Melbourne. A friend of mine started the World Loves Melbourne about 10 years ago and he just went and celebrated Melbourne cafe culture, drinking coffee, taking photos, and he's grown into a really big business uh, that covers all of lifestyle, fashion, food, burgers, and coffee. David's going to bring us some great insights into the trends and, and what makes Melbourne coffee culture special. But first, a little bit about me, your host. I am 39 years old. I got into coffee in my late 20s. I actually had a surplus of credit card points and my wife said why don't you buy an espresso machine so that was my gateway into coffee was buying an espresso machine for home and I got really into it I ended up closing my business uh, I had a, another business in uh, car fleet maintenance and I won awards in in business and I just got obsessed with coffee. I self-trained, self-funded, and I think that a lot of baristas out there can identify with my story. And so I worked for the big franchise chain where coffee was really uh, nothing to do with quality. It was all about you know, making money and, and doing it fast. And I soon moved my way up into... Uh, boutique and, and specialty cafes and ultimately got my job uh, working for one of the best roasteries in Melbourne, managing about 50 of their cafes and working for the world filter coffee champion, the Australian barista champion, um, cupping green and, and, and roasted coffees and just having an amazing time. And it wasn't long before I realised that I wanted to branch out with uh, what what I've developed and and that's uh, another story but I've just become really excited about coffee culture and uh, Melbourne has reached a point of intoxication when it comes to coffee. It's been stellar experience to watch what I would call the socialization of Melbourne. We've actually taken a population of five million people as an industry and trained them to be coffee snobs. <laughs> I remember running a volunteer cafe in a local church 30 kilometers from the CBD and people were absolutely blown away. They'd never had almond milk lattes. They'd never seen a Melconic EK grinder. <laughs> and we quickly grew the sales from $60 a week to, oh, it was a church, uh, to $700 a week, 10-fold sales within about three months of um, just taking over this charity cafe. But now, two and a half years later, everyone in that 30-kilometer 
location from Melbourne has become coffee snobs. <laughs> they're they're saying, you know, they're expecting a, a higher level of service. And one of the things I want to look at today is just I want to start where my heart is, and I want to start by doing a short segment, and uh, that'll be like 20 minutes, and we're going to wrap it up today with 20 minute segment on the science of extraction because everything that we're doing in coffee comes back to the the science and around refractometry and VST technology. If I've been throwing some terms out that you don't understand, don't worry, we're going into the next segment to break down what is going on in the science of coffee because I believe that is the foundation for this new social movement that is actually taking the world by storm. The science of coffee, and again, as your host, Jonathan Scholler uh, from Promised Land Coffee in Melbourne, I can only share my own personal experience, and uh, as a barista who worked my way from the very, very bottom in a franchise to one of the most, in fact, probably the, the place where magics were invented, the place where uh, batch brew became prolific, uh, the place that... Uh, still to this day is absolutely packed. Um, this cafe was doing, you know, 300 kilos of coffee around the time that I started working for them, and they're doing, you know, 10 tons of coffee at the moment uh, in wholesale distribution, which is exciting. And in this cafe, I <laughs> was absolutely blown away by the idea that coffee could be objective. So what's objective? Objective is something that's measurable, something that's scientific, something that doesn't uh, rely on on your subjectivity. So someone might like a particular movie because it made them feel good, but you can that's subjective. But you can say that um, this coffee is ten percent strength. It's an it's an actual science. And so I was introduced to what I would call coffee objectivity. You can read and learn everything, even do an online course in coffee science um, on the Barista Hustle website. And uh, we we learned all about that um, in the early days of St. Ali, where I worked as a barista and later on as an account manager. And I remember the day when Matt Perger walked into this little cafe that was using sensory lab beans and and he said to us i want you to follow this recipe i want you with your espresso to always dose 21 grams don't ever dose 20.5 grams don't ever dose 22 grams i want you to lock it in and he said you cannot change that dose and then he said i want you to follow the 28 second pour I want you to lock that in, don't change that. And I want you to brew a 50 gram espresso. So we're locking in a recipe for coffee. And he said this thing to me that has never left me to this day. He said, if you follow this recipe and the coffee tastes bad, then it's my fault. It's the roaster's fault. It's the roaster's responsibility to maintain the quality of the machine, the solubility of the roast, the water um, quality, the water filters, the grinder, and so on. He said, if you guys follow this recipe, that's your only job. And he explained to us that, you know, because at that stage, I think Proud Mary was, 
you know, still doing ultra, ultra ristrettos, you know, they'd be uh, dosing 20 grams and yielding maybe another 20, 25 grams. Um, so when I talk about dose, I mean the dry coffee coming out of the grinder. When I talk about yield, I'm talking about the weight in grams. It's really important when you're looking at coffee objectively not to look at volume in the yield because the volume changes over time. When you brew an espresso, you have what's called a colloidal suspension. You have an emulsion, a combination of water and oil and solids, and it exists in this temporary, beautiful state. You've noticed the crema disappears over time. So if you weigh a coffee in grams, it doesn't matter whether the coffee's just poured from the espresso machine or whether it sits there for two hours. It's going to weigh exactly the same in terms of mass, in terms of its weight in grams. So for example, a 21 gram dose with a 50 gram yield in 28 seconds might have a volume of 60 mils when it first comes out of the machine. After a minute, that volume will go down to 40 or even 30 mils because of the crema breaking down and dissipating. And so when you approach coffee objectively, it actually becomes like a science. And the story I always share is why do we have five-star restaurants, three-hatted chefs, you know, world champion Michelin-star restaurants that follow a military regimented uh, objective recipe. There is no fine dining restaurant in the world where the chef just makes it up on the night, where the, the apprentice chefs and the kitchen hands decide how many eggs are going to be in the, in the pastry randomly. It's absolutely ridiculous even to talk about it. But for some reason, cafes around the world, including in Melbourne, thought that coffee was magic, that it was this, you know, ethereal thing where you'd walk into a cafe and, and if the air conditioning was on, the coffee would taste bad. Or if the window was left open, the coffee would taste bad. Or if you tapped the portafilter on the bench before you tapped, that would make the coffee taste good. And I'm telling you, I've seen every kind of superstition in coffee and if you would take the red pill like neo in the matrix if you would just take that plunge and agree to believe in science take on the mantle of objectivity start to lock in your dose start to lock in your grind start to lock in your yield get a pair of scales start to weigh your coffees before and after taste them Compare them to the other coffees that you've tasted. Keep a record, keep a spreadsheet, and look at the change over time. You are going to have the foundation for Melbourne coffee culture. Today was a teaser. As I mentioned, you can read a lot more about objectivity on my website, jonathanshola.com, but also if you join the Barista Hustle Forum, that is probably the epicenter of change for coffee globally at the moment. This is Jonathan Scholler, Promised Land Coffee in Melbourne, bringing you the first introductory teaser episode of what is going to become a exponentially growing uh, wealth of information. By the end of this podcast series, you're going to know how to design a cafe, 
how to source milk in Asian countries, how to buy grinders, how to get architects involved, how to get the media involved, legal issues, and a whole bunch more about coffee culture and coffee science. Thanks for listening and make sure you start tag. Tag your friends. Bye. Thank you.